Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm Mary Catherine Ham. I'm your host. I'm here with the friend Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon. How are you feeling, Vic? I'm very tired. As you know, we, I do the Sub Beacon on Thursday. We did it on Wednesday night. We do an hour for the main show and then the bonus episode, which comes out on Mondays. And it was nine, basically 90 minutes on Nicolas Cage. So oh my I'm, goodness. I'm really I'm, 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 I'm caged out. So that's that. That's that. Other than that, I, I just wanted to wish you a happy Cinco de Mayo. Oh, thank you. Although I'm much. not seeing anywhere or anything talking about it today, which is very strange. And it uh, used to be a very big thing, but I don't know. Is it because of cultural appropriation that we don't <laughs> see big Cinco de Mayo celebrations anymore? It might be, actually. In college, when I sat outside of the local burrito place with a sombrero <laughs> on, I think that was probably... I hate crime. Did you, were you wearing like bandoliers and then, and then the guns and the mustache? Yeah. No, but it was one of, I think I might've, I feel like I might've said this before, but it was one of my greatest college nights out because all of my college <laughs> nights out were dictated by the fact that I had very little money. So sure. this, on this particular night, the local burrito place, Barbaritos decided that it would make, it was sort of a precursor to Chipotle. It was that okay. kind of thing. Yes. They made the mistake of telling college students they could have endless chips and salsa. So, oh. <laughs> so we made, and I think it was just that night. I think they might've abandoned this policy shortly afterwards, but on that night we oh, bought a disaster. couple of cheap, cheap pitchers and we ate oh. chips and salsa on the outdoor seating where the, where all the drunks were going yes. by, all the drunk yes. college kids were going by people watching all night and stuffing our faces. And it was because it was so cheap and glorious. Yeah. It was uh, one of my favorite nights. I find it shocking and, and and also very tragic that they did not realize that college students, you know, in given a situation of unlimited chips and salsa, could could probably subsist on that for several days and nothing else. You got you have you have you your uh, vitamin C and whatnot from the tomatoes and yeah, onions. There's there's lime involved usually. And there's lime, so you will yeah. not get scurvy, so that's yes. important. I wanted to give a shout out to my old favorite haunt when I was. Between the ages of 18 and 20, shall we say, in Georgetown, it was called the Mexican Cafe or mm. La Posada. And it was great. They, they, it was one of the few places where you just walked in. You could order whatever you want. Nobody ever checked your ID. And it was <laughs> crazy. And I have many fond memories of the memories. The, the, the few hazy memories I do have of it. I have very fond memories of that place. And in case anyone is in the Georgetown area now and you're wondering where it is, it is currently uh, Pizzeria Paradiso. Oh, really? But that used to be, let me tell you something, crazy times at the former Mexican cafe. You know, uh, Mary, and, yeah. I, and today I'd, I'd really love to visit a place like that because nothing says a great dinner spot like a bunch of 18 through 20 year olds getting <laughs> S faced. <laughs> yes. No, it's lovely. Yeah. And also we once took like the, the early decision kids who were like the prospective students from high school. We didn't know where to take them. So we took them there too. And I think some of them chose, chose Georgetown based on that. What is based the statute of limitations on, on underage drinking? Yeah. I sure hope, I sure hope it's 20. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. I'm, I, oh my goodness. That's like 30 years. Okay. I think we're safe. Okay. I think we're safe. I think we're safe. Almost. Mary Catherine, I'm dying to know where you are. Did you return to a college reunion somewhere and you're in your <laughs> dorm? So I am at, I am at a hotel in Pennsylvania, but I'm in, it's like a, it's like a full facility. That's an old farm that they have 
okay. uh, turned into a hotel. So there's okay. si there's silos down the way yeah. over here. And what that's I am in is sort of the top floor of a carriage house. So that's why it looks like <laughs> I'm the under angle. the eaves. <laughs> yes, I was going to say you're in an attic, as uh, Alex was just noticing. No, I'm I'm under the eaves up here. Okay. It's okay. very romantic. No, I came up to Pennsylvania for a meeting, a board meeting of the Travis Mannion Foundation. I was going to guess Travis uh, Mannion. That's great. Yes. So I am on the board of this wonderful organization, public service and veteran service organization that is named for a fallen Marine who was killed in Iraq in 2007. I know his family very well. Yeah. And the idea since uh, his death has been basically to, to imbue his character and his wonderful love of service mm -hmm. in as many Americans as possible and to keep the memory alive of, of people like him and all those that we lost and it is a really uplifting work. And it's always a wonderful time to come and hang out with my Travis Manion friends. They do make me usually do things like very hard workouts or marathons. I was going to uh, say, doesn't it culminate in a big mar uh, marathon or something? Um, every yes. Many of us have run the marathon uh, before. I yeah. don't know. I think I'm officially retired from marathons now. So now, did. yeah, I did. I did a couple. But now the thing that I actually owe on this trip or when I get back home is, is called the Manion Wad, which is a uh, workout of the day. It's a, it's a CrossFit mm. workout. It's very oh. hard. And I have been working this week and have not fit it in. So I'm going to have to do that because now I've been around all these wonderful folks who have already yes. done it. And I'm like, well, I, I owe you about 300 squats and several miles <laughs> of running. So it's inspiring though. Oh, it is. It is. And, and, and if our, and if our hammerheads want to know uh, how to get more involved with Travis Mannion, where do they yeah, go? Just go to travismannion.org. That's M-A-N-I-O-N is how you spell his right. uh, last name. And truly it is a wonderful group of people. You will never be sad uh, that you got involved with them. Well, maybe on like mile 23 of the marathon, you'll be sad for a <laughs> minute, be sad. but <laughs> but then you'll be happy by the time you got, no, it's, it's a great group of people. You'll connect with the veteran community in really amazing ways and, uh, and learn about what they do. And, also teach a bunch of young people the beauty of service and the, and yes. the beauty of, of the patriotism that drove people like Travis. So it's a, yes. it's a good time. Great. And there's so many moving stories in this group. So yeah, I'm up here and headed home, headed home later today. So wonderful. Is this like Pennsylvania, Dutch country? Are you out West? Actually, are you closer to Bucks County? Where are you? Uh, yeah, it's pretty close to Philadelphia. We're in ah, the, somewhere okay. in the are those collar counties they call us collar counties I, I, yes i think somewhere in there something like you know that. what i just okay. set the geo gps Vic. i can't be trusted okay. <laughs> beyond that i know there's well, a target nearby because i had to go get a target okay. because that's my say, that's my 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 gift to the travel gods yes. every time i go somewhere is like, i'm I just must. trying to figure out if you are more in proximity to uh cheesesteak or apple butter you know they fed us cheesesteak and other philly sundries oh, last night nice. at the at the dinner so yeah. that was nice oh. Very, very yeah, nice. I got a pretzel Good, too. Lucky they, had you. Some, they had some pretzels on sticks for us. You know, they're like, they were like stacked on these wooden. Oh yeah. So, dowels. So like big pretzels. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Wish I was there. I bet you do. So I gotta, I gotta talk about the New York times today, Vic. Yeah. What's happening. Oh, the New York times. It the is great lady. Oh, it's, it's now it can be tolding so hard today. <laughs> so hard. This is David Leonhardt. Again, we have talked ah, about him before. Our favorite, our favorite, uh, what is it? Bellwether or the reverse of the bellwether? Yes. Yeah. The reverse of the bellwether. Yeah, okay. I appreciate David Leonhardt's voice yes. because it is necessary to tell very, very blue consumers of news, mm -hmm. actual facts about mm -hmm. COVID and the pandemic. That's right. And this is the, this is the news we're getting today. 
Oh, boy. When COVID-19 began to sweep across the country in March 2020, schools in every state closed their doors. Remote instruction effectively became a national policy for the rest of that spring. A few months later, however, school districts began to make different decisions about whether to reopen. Across much of the South and the Great Plains, as well as some pockets of the Northeast, I would add also all the private schools, schools resumed in-person classes in the fall of 2020. Across much of the Northeast, Midwest, and West Coast, school buildings stayed closed and classes remained online for months. These differences created a huge experiment, testing how well remote learning worked during the pandemic. Academic researchers have since been studying the subject, and they have come to a consistent conclusion. Remote learning was a failure... Not only that, yep. not only that, it was, as some of us have been saying, a failure disproportionately for those who already did not have mm. the resources to overcome yeah. this failure. Yeah. So like kids have to go to public school, for example, because that's the best they yes. can do. Yes. Or, or Black and Hispanic families that didn't have yeah. the resources to have a, a parent at home mm-hmm. assisting mm-hmm. or to do what I did, which is yank my children from the horrors of Zoom school yeah. And, yeah. and homeschool them. Um, says one of the most alarming findings is that school closures widened both economic and racial inequality in learning. I would like to say to that, duh. In Monday's newsletter, he says, I told you about how much progress K through 12 education had made in the U.S. during the 1990s and 2000s. Math and reading schools imp- skills improved, especially for Black and Latino students. The COVID closures have reversed much of that pro- progress, at least for now. Low-income students, as well as Black and Latino students, fell further behind over the past two years relative to students who are high-income, white, yeah. or Asian. Quote, yeah. this will probably be the largest increase in educational inequity in a generation, Thomas Kane, an author of the Harvard study, told me. So, so there's, well, okay. Uh, a, a few things. One is, as you mentioned, it is important that he comes up with the things that we've been saying, because a lot of those readers may not be listening to getting hammered. Yes. So they'll rely on David Leonhart to like mm-hmm. break the news for them several years later, that this was a bad thing, or perhaps they didn't see you when you're on, for example, real time, reminding yes, people about, about what it. happened. Uh, any any, any yeah. place I've been allowed to speak for the past two years, I'll just yell about that. So if yes, you ever saw you, me. <laughs> and you have to, with with and without profanity, whatever gets the point across, yes. depending, on, depending on the platform. And the other thing is, of course, as you mentioned, the private schools, the parochial schools, right? These Catholic schools where as soon as the opportunity presented itself, they sent their kids back, even with masks, they sent their kids back, the teachers, they risked, uh, you know, their own situation by being there because everybody yes. was worried about it. And at the end of the day, it turns out the kids were not these dangerous vectors and everybody's fine. And these weren't super spreader situations in the schools where kids have been going into classrooms. They turned out to be fine in comparison to those who stayed home for yeah, a I year believe and a the, half. Um, okay. So this is from the, the piece as well. And from the, the most recent studies on this. On average, students who attended in-person school for nearly all of 2020-2021 lost about 20% worth of a typical school year's math learning during the study's two-year window. Okay, problematic in and of itself. 20% mm-hmm. is, is a lot. And they, most of that comes from that spring before they went back yeah. to school. But students who stayed home for most of 2020 and 21 fared much worse. On average, they lost the equivalent of about 50% of Oof. a typical school year's math learning during the study's two-year window. of a year. Now, it was obvious that children could go back to school as early as about, I mean, 
I would say even in spring, you had a lot, a fair amount mm-hmm. of evidence from Europe that kids could go back to school. Yeah. But okay, let's stretch it to June or July, right? Yeah. In June and July, even NPR was reporting that, hey, they've got these childcare centers that are taking only kids of essential workers who are more exposed yep. than mm-hmm. anyone else. They weren't even masked at that point. Yes. Um, and they've had, they had very little incident incidents of, right. of passing between students and caregivers. So we had evidence, even in mm-hmm. NPR world, that we could do these things. And I was among those caught by surprise in fall of 2020. Right. When it turned out that our school district vaunted, vaunted, very successful school yeah, district. Oh, yeah, sure. A lot of people uh, come here just for Sought that. after, sought after, had made no headway in trying to figure out how to get kids back to school by August. They were sending out surveys in July, like, I don't know, what do y'all think? Right. Right. There was no rush. <laughs> there, there was, was no, no rush. rush. There was no leadership. There Weeks, was months, no, years. there seemed to be no interest in getting to the bottom of whether this could be done mm-hmm. safely, safely. It was just like, I don't know, would you guys come back for hybrid? And I was, I kept mashing. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And it made uh, no difference. It made I, no difference. And yeah. then they on they were going to send us back hybrid and then made a turn overnight based on absolutely nothing. And I was like, we're not doing this. No, we're not doing this because it's not going to happen. And that's what happened anyway. Because you got we, the sense that their mind, their minds were made up. They had to go through the motions of saying, well, let's see what the parents think. We'll get input. And there's going to be a comment period. But deep down inside, you had the feeling we're not coming back for a long time. Right. And, the, and this is great. The we consequences are are grave because I, and one must remember all of the gaslighting along the way, which sure. was like, and, and the insults and the condescension, I just have to say like, you know, mm-hmm. often, often they would accuse moms who asked for kids to be back in school of just wanting to have their leisurely days off back. That's right. That's and right. I would just like to say, if you had given all us loudmouth back our brunches, we wouldn't have, be having all these problems. <laughs> Yes, we, we would have fixed this problem. So there was the condescension, which was yeah. rampant, the um, accusations of bad faith and wanting, oh, sure. to ki- wanting to sacrifice children. That was a popular one. We were told that wanting to open schools was a position aligned with white supremacy. That was a yeah. that yeah. was a thing we were told. I'm glad um, you remember what everyone's trying to forget, by the way, because they like yes. to ma- pretend that they were always on the right side. So. Yes. We were also told that learning, there was a period in there, in a, I believe it was fall of 2021, where we were told that learning loss wasn't real. Don't, don't worry about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Guys. Yeah. That's right. What's the, what's the big deal? And this is all, so this is all ginned up, right? Yeah, if you'll remember, ginned. the head of the teachers union in uh, LA said, there is no such thing as learning loss. Our kids didn't lose anything. It's okay that our babies may not have learned all their times tables. They learned resilience. They learned survival. Oh, they resilience. Learned, they learned critical thinking skills. They know the difference between a riot and a protest. They know the words insurrection and coup. So they're doing oh. great. Who cares about the 50% drop in a year of math learning? So we were told for a brief time there that learning loss was not a real thing. We were also told, even though we'd been told for the decade before that, that screens were bad, that suddenly screens were good and okay. And it was going to be fantastic. Um, It turns out that on the mental health front, Mm -hmm. letting your kids just stay on a screen all day is not, Mm -hmm. not good for them. Uh, So here we are. And David Leonhardt is sort of wrestling with the fact that, Hey, I'm not sure if even the resources that that giant stupid bill that Randy Weingarten wrong out of Biden to quote open schools 
even that amount of money is not going to fix this problem. Yeah, that's right. Because partly because the people who cause the problem are in charge of fixing the problem. There's going to be three responses to this, Mary Catherine. Okay. The first response is going to be uh, lagging indicators. Mm-hmm. lagging indicators. Okay. So you, you know, the kids, are they going to be okay? They could still have it. They could carry it. We don't know. There's going to be a delay. Same thing as we're talking about cases, hospitalizations, deaths, when in doubt, lagging indicators. So let's not, let's not make any decisions quite yet about mm-hmm. who's right or who's wrong. Right. That's the first thing. Okay. The second thing, the second thing is of course, uh, and I've seen this on responses to David Lee and Hart, which is he's misreading the data. He did, he doesn't know his thing. You know, the, the, the you know, the, these subsets, uh, what he's reading, it, it's, it's not the whole story. So he's doing it wrong. David Lee and Hart does not know how to do his job and he's reading the data wrong. And the last, the last response for you is two words, poetry slam. I've mentioned this before and I'll mention it again. <laughs> have you tried the poetry slam? Because yes. that, that will get you through remote learning. Well, that and, you know. and I also want to note that my school district has some electric buses. So that is some consolation oh, well, as well. Good. You know, that, yeah, no. both, both the poetry slam and the electric bus. Yeah, yeah. No, I, to me, it continues to blow my mind that, mm-hmm. that having tens of millions of children out of school for a full year and yeah. more in some cases I looked at the actual stats and by April of 2021, a year into this thing, fully 20% of American schools were still in some kind of hybrid. And that means yeah. tens, that's a 10 million kids and tens of millions more than that were disrupted for large periods of time, even if it wasn't the full year. And the idea that the people who love public education treated it like it was a non-essential good was very bad. Yeah. It was very bad. And those people are the teachers unions, which leads me to Uh-oh. Randy Weingarten, who's oh, yes. very confused. She's, I mean, she's, I don't know when she'll ever find the culprit for uh-huh. who, who has done this dastardly deed. <laughs> oh, self-awareness is not her strong suit. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> Here she is talking about some of the problems. Our kids are in crisis. And we had a mental health crisis before COVID, but with, and, and Dr. Eng will talk about this far better than I do, but within, but, but for two years of disruption, two years of looking at the screens, two years of not having a normal kind of routine and rhythm, recovery is really tough. Mm, well, let's put her in charge. The lady who was in charge of making all those things happen. Yeah, she should get rid of the person who did that since she has so much power. <laughs> she's, she's searching. She's searching so, for the she, culprit. She, the two th- one is, two thoughts. One is, you know, it's funny. She kind of sounds like Dr. Ruth now in, yeah. her, in her old age. She sounds like well, Dr. Her, Ruth Westheimer. That's her soft tone. That's yes, not her, yes. That's yeah, not emotional. Her... She's connecting. She's connecting. Connecting with parents. That's not her stumping, stumping with Terry McAuliffe tone, which was no, which was terrifying. Yes. And the other thing is when you were saying, you know, you know, she'd like to, if she wanted to get the bottom of it, it would be, it's in other words, like OJ searching for his, right. The killer of his ex-wife is what that's great. If I did it, if I closed the schools, is, is this Mary Kennedy? Is this, is this, are you going to give her the better late than never? No, not uh, her award. <laughs> she gets none of it. She, <laughs> she gets, gets none, none of, it. of it. David Leonhart can have the award. We yeah. love to hear it from David Leonhart. Randy does not get it. It's just too disingenuous. She 
is literally the person who was calling the CDC, telling them yeah. not to make guidance that would allow students to go back to school. Yeah, and, that's right. And all of this happened in Democratic-run cities. I'm not being a shill. This is just the facts. No. Democratic-run cities dominated by Democratic-held teachers unions working together to decide mm-hmm. that staying home was easier for them and they didn't care about this other thing. And one of, one of the uh, criticisms of Leonhardt also was like, and he retweeted it as a thoughtful critique, was what people are missing in the school closures debate is that it was about protecting teachers. I don't think anybody's missing that. It's the only thing I've heard from anyone yes. in media for two years. That was the condition. Like we can't start, we can't go in until there's a vaccine. And it sounded implausible at the time because you said, are you expecting all these teachers to get vaccinated? When is that going to happen? Well, it took, it turns out it was a year and a half at least. But then once they did, there were still other requirements, as you know, uh, well, in order yes. to bring in the kids Fairfax, back. In Fairfax, they went to the front of the line and then did not go back to school. So that's right. And that then was... there was the hybrid situation. And then there was the kids uh, sitting in their desks. And I know this directly from my own child's uh, description of the, the the shield around the desk and no mm-hmm. talking during, you don't you don't want to talk during lunchtime because you could spread it. Well, what I that's... hope is that at least we've inched to the point of everyone agreeing that there's a problem here. Because yeah. for a long time, we were just ignoring it. Mm-hmm. Now, do I have any confidence that the people who caused the problem can solve the problem? I do not. <laughs> no. I do not. One of, the, one of the points that this piece makes is that those who, do, who are doing the research are concerned that, that some of these places are using the funds from the bill to, for non-educational purposes. Can you imagine that? Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Nick? No, I um, can't. It not turns out the people school. who think education is not essential with unions spend money on not education. So I, but I'm deeply, deeply worried as I have been for two years about kids actually coming back from this. It's, it's really, they're in a deep hole. It's they bad. are in is, is Randy Weingarten just banking on parents forgetting it was her, that she was part of this part of the problem leading the charge and our parents, especially in these areas act going to go along and say, well, you know, she's great. She's a champion. She cares for a C. She cares about the kids. Well, I think one of the things that changed from talking to parents in my area, and yeah. we went over some of the parent polling the other day, where in the Marist poll, they're leading Democrats 60, Republicans yeah. are leading Democrats 60 to 32 among parents uh, of children under 18. Yeah. And also a large part of that comes from now, Republicans don't have this giant lead on the issue of education, right? They're, right. they're almost actually, even, or maybe they're slightly yeah. a little bit ahead. However, Democrats have lost about a 15 to 20 point perennial lead on the issue of education. Yeah, education That's has always much, been a Democratic yes. uh, strong point. That's how much damage they've done. And I think what mm-hmm. happened in my area and in talking to moms there, just normal people who are not super political, they know who teachers unions are, what they're about, and who their leaders are, because they saw very clearly who was standing in the way. And that was new to them. That idea was new to them. The alignment with their school districts and unions right. was new to them. And the fact that this was a, this was a force that was not friendly to parents, right. that was new information. Right. It was, it was a real awakening for them with, with the COVID lockdown. And I, I also don't think that they're going to, I hope they don't, I just think, well, it was remote for a year and a half because of the coronavirus. I mean, it's, the Youngkin blame it on the virus. I think I think a lot of the voting in in uh, Virginia, obviously, where Youngkin won, but also yeah. New Jersey, where you saw a bunch of switching very uh, toward a Republican candidate that I yeah. think you would not otherwise have seen. Now, is it damning that still a Republican can't win? <laughs> 
when the yeah. Democrats shut schools down for a year. Sure, yeah. sure it is. But uh, but no, I don't I don't think that's been ignored. And I think you continue to see it in parent numbers. The the bigger issue is going to be beyond the politics, how you actually fix this problem. And yeah, because, you know, short of making everybody go to summer school. I'm not even sure that will work. I mean, we're talking yeah. about, yeah. They, you know, they spent part of the year saying learning loss is not real when we've always known learning loss is real over yeah. the summer. And it poses a problem for teachers coming back. Some of the, I was reviewing some of the writing about the, the, the learning mm-hmm. loss myth, quote unquote, yeah. from 2021. And it was just like, hey, you know, they usually have a couple kids who are not up to speed and they have to bring them up to speed. So what's mm-hmm. the difference if it's all mm-hmm. of them? That doesn't make right. any sense. That makes a huge difference. You don't have yeah. the resources for that. That's right. So I am not confident. And it's not just the academic, the the sort of the intellectual loss, but you know, the emotional issues, in particular, behavioral issues. Kids coming back, there's a lot more, at least, you know, in my daughter's school, incidents of disciplinary problems and really bad ones that they didn't remember having prior to prior to COVID. Yeah, it's it's not good. And most devastatingly, it did it didn't have to happen. Right. It didn't have to happen. But at least we're saying it's a thing now. So better late than never. Thanks, David Leonard. (laughs) Elsewhere in the New York Times, did you see Vic? Yes. Yes. They're they're going after our Elon. Oh, yes. (laughs) Who uh, Um, was on the red carpet? What what was going on here? Well, two things, two things. He showed up on the Met red carpet, which I was surprised by. Do you know the Met Gala? Yes. Do you know who he brought with him? Sir, I'd say you are the man that's being much talked about around town and around the world and maybe on Twitter. I don't know. Social media is kind of going bananas over you right now. I guess that's, uh, yeah, that's probably true. There are some critics out there that would say, why not? Critics? You? What? Can you? I can't believe this. None. Zero. Zero. Thank goodness. Here, for a second there, I was worried. That have spoken out and said, why didn't you use the money that you purchased Twitter with to do something for charity, philanthropy, more good with that money? Well, I do do a lot of things uh, philanthropically, yes. um, and um, really, uh, th- you know, my, th- th- my companies are intended to uh, do good for the future of humanity with uh, Tesla trying to accelerate uh, the advent of sustainable transport and, and energy, uh, and SpaceX is... Um, providing internet to the least served people around the world. The best um, company in the world. This is a beautiful older lady standing next to him. <laughs> and also what you've done for Ukraine as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we're able to help Ukraine with the Starlink terminals um, and uh, give them uh, connectivity in, in uh, particularly some of the hardest hit areas. So, you know, I, I aspirationally, I am trying to do good for uh, humanity and, and the future of civilization. Where did you get this mentality? Where did your son get this? I mean, I told him not to take on the world and the universe, and he didn't listen. Clearly not listening to to his mom. How does a a man that is so tapped into so much that's going on in the world today making the time to come to an event like this, the Mecca? Why is it important to be here this evening? I I wanted him to come. (laughs) My mom wanted to come, so uh, I I brought my mom. That's that's the reason. That is the best reason to go to the Met Gala ever. What a lovely Mother's Day treat. <laughs> My mom wanted to go to the Met Gala, so I brought her. By the way, she's stunning. She reminds me of the actress who plays the mother in succession. You know, oh. the Roy's, the, 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 the actual, the bio- biological mother of the children. Uh, British actress. I, I don't remember her name, but the, quite lovely. 
The New York Times also uh, reported on Musk because we got to do a deep dive on Musk, right? Because yeah, we got to figure out why it's bad mm-hmm. that yes, he's powerful. We, because it is bad. We just have yeah. to figure out why. So here's the New York Times tweet about its, its hard work here. Elon Musk grew up in elite white communities in South Africa, detached from apartheid's atrocities and surrounded by anti-Black propaganda. He sees his takeover of Twitter as a free speech win, but in his youth did not did not suffer the effects of misinformation. Okay, so a, a podcaster tweets about this. So this is what the article reports on Elon Musk. One, he had non-white, non-white friends growing up in apartheid South Africa. Two, his father was an anti-apartheid politician. Three, he literally left so he didn't have to serve in an apartheid military. They still insinuate he's a racist. Yeah, it's... Well, it's sadly not surprising because they've got to they've got to do everything that they can. And there's a look, there is a they they can make the case. Oh, he was there at this time. It was was a bad time. Therefore, he's bad. (laughs) You know, I am also disappointed in Elon Musk that he didn't solve apartheid by the time he was 17 and left South Africa. Let's talk about let's talk about his 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 white privilege growing growing up in in South Africa. It's bad for Twitter. It's bad for Twitter. Like Elon Musk is not my savior but this seems like a real weak attempt to to it it feels very much like there was a thesis for this piece yeah and then maybe the facts didn't conform to the thesis but the piece was still written they got to push that piece (laughs) out anyway and they'll you know do what they can it also makes no sense they sort of they sort of imply that that his exposure to actual government like aggressive disinformation and and propaganda Mm -hmm is an argument that he's like, to me, it makes sense that of course he's a free speech warrior because he saw these things to the New York times. It says to them, like, he doesn't, I I don't know. It says the opposite to them. I'm confused. Yeah. And that makes it into print. I just want to say that's, that is worthy. (laughs) That is worthy of reader's time. Yeah. Can you, can you tell me what, what is the purpose of the Met Gala? I don't remember this when I was in college. Was this new? And what is the whole point? Because now so, it's a thing. It's a big deal. But I don't remember. So I'm going to attempt. I'm going to attempt to explain it. And Alex, okay. our Gen, our Gen Z <laughs> correspondent, can jump in if she knows more than I do. the The Met Gala is run by Anna Wintour of Vogue. Vogue. It's the so it's a very fashiony event. Yes. It's ostensibly to raise money for the fashion costume part of the Met exhibits, ah, correct? I see. So like museums, yes. fashion exhibits and fashion history. Yes. You know, I'm not sure. That seems fairly I, incidental. <laughs> it, it, it seems as incidental to right. this event as the scholarships for the White House Correspondence Center. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, they're on a panel and they actually give awards. And not just, you know, the, to the, 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 the journalists, but to these students. That's right. Yeah. So forget um, about that. So <laughs> it seems sort of incidental, but all the yeah. famous people show up. There's always a theme. The theme is never adhered to by anyone. That's right. And, and the theme this year was gilded. This time was gilded age. The, the gilded age. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like um, the show that nobody's watching. So, so. and, and if I watched it. What? I enjoyed it. <laughs> it's America's Downton. Um, that's, 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 that's a good spin on it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and it seems that Blake Lively won the night with her patinating gown. It went from, it was an homage to Lady Liberty and it went I from 
a that that patinated turquoise to a to a copper color depending yes. on which way they it was it was an eric adams saying and gun violence on his tuxedo that didn't win yeah that gosh what a what a lame move right like we yeah. did this last year my man and like, I, yeah yeah and i'm glad he feels that way <laughs> maybe he'll do something about it well it's important it's important that the famous people go to the fancy events yeah. which as we noted happened last week in washington oh dc and I just want to I just want to do a quick, quick follow up. Yes. On the White House Correspondents Center. Remember, we said it was coming on the heels of another super spreader. Right. Which and was it, the, the, the gridiron, gridiron dinner. That's right. Uh, which is even more elite than the rather large and gauche guest list for the White House Correspondents Center. But they had some I think it was like 70 to 80 people from the gridiron dinner got it despite backs passes and negative tests. Right. So one would think that it would occur to people that this could happen again, but we right. sort of marched right into it, assuming it wouldn't. In the days since the White House Correspondents' Dinner weekend, reporters and staffers from CNN, ABC News, NBC News, CBS News, Politico, and other participating news organizations have tested positive for the virus, most notably ABC's John Carl, who shook hands with President Biden. There's also Blinken, I think, came down with it. Look, oh, wow. let's everybody get well soon, and I trust that they all will. And can spread we spread those stop? antibodies, spread can that we, natural immunity? That's what we say here on the, the Ivermectin show. Can we, can we please stop pretending <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. that there is a morally superior way to have your parties that preserves your right to tell yeah. the rest of us how to party? There yeah. is not a way. Um, We're done with this. We're okay. done. I have a question, which is the, the journalists who tested positive is, was it because like, oh, I really don't feel well, I better get tested. Or was it, they just got tested and it turns out they have it and they didn't know they have it. How are they feeling? I want to know how they're feeling. Is it, how do you, how do you think that John Carl feels about being the most notable among this? Most notably, well, John well, I mean, Carl. You know, okay, how do they feel emotionally, but also physically? I mean, what are the symptoms? Is it, is, is it, are they being, yeah, is think, it devastating or is it a mild cold? I think we would hear otherwise if it yeah. was, uh, if it was not, if it were devastating, but we haven't heard any, any major updates. Also the woman who thought that the whole thing was a horror movie, she got it too. Did she really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't mean to laugh, but look. I know. Well, look again. Yeah. It would have been different if we were like Alpha or Delta, but this is a, we're in a different time. Yeah. And, and, this and, is, and, and much you didn't less like to, if you were scared to go, don't go. Although once again, I would go because of the advertisers. We, we don't have a choice in it sometimes, but my question, you know, my concern is, did they really think? that this was going to be a foolproof event because they were double vaxxed, perhaps double boosted. So you have four shots and you have your vax pass, your ID, and you get tested. And what do they make? I want to know what they make of it, that they got it anyway. Was this supposed to prevent them from getting it or well, to think, keep things again, mild at the party? What's happening? Right. Again, I think, I think that all of this is a misunderstanding of how much we can control this thing. And it, it does seem like, I don't want to get into a lot of hot variant talk, but BA2 or whatever Ooh, it yes, is, BA2. is supposed to be incredibly contagious, but not yeah. very right. problematic, right? So it's not rough on you, but you you can get it extremely easily. I just, how many of these people in that room are the same ones who were tweeting how horrible it was that SEC fans were at football oh, sure. games? You mm -hmm. know, like that, that is what annoys me. And it will probably always annoy me. Yeah. The Arkansas pool party was not the problem, guys. And people and now, saying, well, you wait, just wait two or three weeks. Thousands of people are going to be dropping like flies. 
Well, and now that they're now that they're the problem and they're actual bona fide super spreaders, super spreaders aren't an issue anymore. We just Mm -hmm. move right along. Yeah. So, I mean, do they, uh, how do they play this? Uh, do, do you think, do they, do they downplay? Oh, do just, they say, oh, we, we should have never went? No, I think. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. In two years, uh, David Leonhardt will write a column about it. Yeah. You were, you were asking <laughs> earlier when we were looking over at what we were going to discuss today about the Roe story that broke in Politico. Was that happening, by the way, during the Met Gala or it happened just oh, shortly? Yes. So I was a friend of mine in Texas and was like, can you imagine what it's like inside the Met Gala right now? Because that story broke while they were all inside. Oh my and gosh. It's, it's one, the most liberal crowd yeah. you could, you could put together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two, I would argue, and I'm not trying to be offensive, but just on, it's one of, one of the more ignorant yes. super liberal crowds you could yep. gather. Sure. So their assumption would immediately be, oh my gosh, like it's all like, overturning row it's done mm-hmm. it, abortion is banned everywhere that yeah. that would be their assumption and um there just must have been such ringing of bejeweled hands in that uh, well yeah i, I think space. it's it's a combination of bad takes and a bad game of telephone you know so that by the time it stretches you know you know midway through the gala people are like i can't believe they just banned abortion now yeah it's it's over now you no, know, it would have right been yeah. Well, there's, there's no, there's no shortage of bad takes out there. And, and I'm not, we're going to take a rest from them today. We'll probably yeah. get back to them next week. Do you, do you think there was anybody at the gala who was like, well, you know, Roe was kind of a bad law to begin with, because there was no mention of it in the equal protection clause. And no, they don't, you don't think there was that. that, that, <laughs> it was Elon, that do you think Elon that discussion? Musk. Oh yeah. Elon Elon probably saying, well, you know, the States were handling it for over a hundred uh, years. Ruth Bader that Ginsburg way. actually said that it wasn't. Yeah, that's yeah, right. He'll, he'll bring that up. <laughs> What a buzzkill. <laughs> anyway, everybody at their super spreaders, get well soon. Yeah, that's um, right. Get, get think, well. Yeah. I think everybody will yeah. be fine. Last last story of the day, I do want to do a little disinformation update on our, our new czar of, of disinformation. So Mayorkas was asked. She's taking a real victory lap, isn't she? Oh, man. Mayorkas was asked, so he's head of uh, DHS, uh, Department of Homeland Security, mm-hmm. about his recent hire, who turns out to be just a, a dystopian theater kid. I don't know yes. like, what we're doing here. About her TikTok videos in which she does musical renditions of lectures on disinformation. And uh, here, here's what we get. To, he was asked by, I believe this is John Kennedy, Senator John Kennedy, about it. When, when the department picked her, was the department aware of her TikTok videos? Uh, Senator, um, uh, I Th- was, They're really quite precocious. Um, uh, Senator, um, I was not uh, aware uh, of those videos. Okay, so he wasn't aware of the videos. And then we have a question from Holly. Were you aware of these? Were you aware of this information when you chose her? Everything I, I've just shown you? I was not. Why, how could you not be? Uh, did you do any research on her? Senator, Senator, uh, I will not uh, discuss the internal workings of the hiring process. You won't? Of the Department of Homeland Security. Well, let me ask you about this. Uh, I'm sure there are documents pertaining to this board, minutes of meetings, communications about who would serve on the board. Will you release those to this committee? Um, 
uh, Senator, there are not uh, yet this this governance board. Wait a minute. There are no there are no minutes of meetings about this board. It is not yet. You've not uh, created any records. It has not yet begun its work. You've hired her. You surely had deliberations about hiring her. The the, the board has not yet met. You you had deliberations about hiring her though, correct? Uh, I did not, uh, Senator. You just said I, that you are solely responsible for hiring her. In my capacity as the secretary. I bear responsibility. You're telling me that there are no documents associated with this board? I, that, I, that I don't know. You asked for meeting minutes. minutes of meetings, documents pertaining to the board, any records or communications about who would sit. So basically, they didn't have any idea who they were hiring, and they didn't like Google search her. And they decided to start a disinformation board, a ministry of truth, with very little vetting. And I would, I would argue that this is how you get disinformation, guys. <laughs> I think this is a, a, a real trend these days, which is we got to do something now. We got to act now. It doesn't matter what, but we got to do. don't worry about the long term effect. And I hope nobody ever asks, is this a bad idea? Because we got to do something right. We got to look like we're acting it's, because this is what the people want. They want to see that we're going to stop things like Elon Musk taking over Twitter. And this is how the government can do it by creating this ministry, this ministry of truth. That's that's what I it's 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 along the same lines as, you know, after the, the row leak wanting to, you know, Democrats wanting to push for a filibuster in the Senate with, yeah. with, with Chuck Schumer, you know, without any regard to, well, what happens if the Republicans take over in November and they use that against us yes. or the, the way with Harry Reid pushing for nuclear option and, and, and judges and suddenly it's, you know, blows up in his face as McConnell warned move. him. Move now. You got to move now. And I feel like this Ministry of Truth is the same thing. My concern, my concern with this is, you know, for years, you know, beginning with Reagan and then beginning with and, and then with Gingrich, New Gingrich, you know, oh, you know, they're going to they're going to take apart. They're going to dissolve the Department of Education. They're going to do all these things. They never do that. It's still there. Don't you have the feeling that Ministry of Truth is going to still be with us? Or do you think it's there's a chance this thing could end? I think I think you got to take it out quick if it's going to be yeah. taken out. And so I think I think that's what some Republicans yes. are, are trying to do. And like you said, with the, the inability to think forward, please imagine a disinformation board under a President Trump. Oh, what? what how would they you, feel? That? It's like, going to end please, then when that please, happens. Please, friends of the left, can you right. imagine what this would look like? It's a terrible idea. By the way, uh, it will make all of us feel good to know that um, Nina Jankovic, who is the this disinformation uh, head of disinformation board, arena. there's also there's also a video of her. This arena. <laughs> is that what I you do. said? Yes, I did. <laughs> There's also a video of her, her saying that all this parental upset about things like CRT is just coming from disinformers, uh, yes. Republicans who are disinformers, and uh, those things aren't real. She probably thinks school closures were, and the, and the issues that caused the, the, those caused were disinformation as well. So, gonna go great. It's quite something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you? Do we? What else do we got? Anything good. else on this? On this lovely, a lovely Friday for our listeners. As we're heading into a lovely weekend. Wonderful. We hope you got your day started right, whenever that day is yeah. or time. You might be getting up at two in the afternoon. Who knows? That wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Please tell your friends, leave some nice reviews, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substack. You can find me at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. I hope you get breakfast in bed, time with your kids if you want it, time without them if you want it. Uh, 
<laughs> and thank you, for, and thank you, and thank you for the reminder that it's Mother's Day. I got to yes. do something. I got to go. Well, this is this is this is an emergency. It's like grab the emergency. Anyway, have fun, guys. Have a great weekend. Uh, this has been a Nebulous Media podcast.